little uh, DC talk in the light, in the light. Yeah, we've been uh, looking at the uh, book of Ephesians, and it's uh, the Apostle Paul, it's his letter that he wrote to uh, kind of an upstart church in the city of Ephesus. And over the past few weeks, we've, we've learned a few things, I hope. Uh, we've learned that we find our identity in, in God and Jesus Christ, and that we're to be rooted in or established in the, the love of God. And as Christians, we are created for more than salvation. We, we are gifted with a purpose, for a purpose, and God did that on purpose. And we're God's masterpiece. Uh, in other words, we're, we're on display for the world to see, and we are to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and with God, and when we do that, it increases our glow in the, in the world. Last week, we talked about not being uh, barriers, but being carriers for the presence of God in this world, and every human being is one prayer away from becoming a part of God's family, and that we are a radically inclusive community of God's people. And through Jesus Christ, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, that peace is possible in, in, the, in our relationship with God. And as we, we grow in our relationship with God, as we spend time with God in, in, in prayer and in, in, our, in Scripture, as we do that, as we learn more about God and the kind of heart that God has, if things are working correctly in your life, the more you understand who God is and what Jesus Christ has done, the more you want to worship him. And I believe as our arms go up in adoration to, to God, they should also begin to reach out, and they should get wider and wider, fully embracing and loving all people. Loving, loving people, not their sins, but loving people. The, the section of Scripture we're going to look at today, we're, we're going to look, and Paul starts with a triple entendre. And it's really easy to miss in this, but often we see double entendres in life. It's a uh, playful, I would say, literary term. It's where a word conveys two different meanings. And so you see it a lot in comedy, where there's kind of the kids hear one thing, you hear something else. Uh, you see it in music and poetry, uh, especially in rap music, a lot of entendres. Uh, actress uh, Mae West, she had one of, one of my favorite ones. Uh, she was kind of a master at this. She said this. She said, marriage is a fine institution, but I'm not ready for an institution. So, yeah, if you didn't get it, turn to your neighbor. They'll explain it to you. <clears throat> Paul has a triple entendre, but uh, I think it's real, real easy to miss. It goes, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. Um, his playful term here, and the reason why I think we miss it is because he only says it once, but is prisoner. And the fact is that, that Paul is actually a prisoner to Caesar at this point. He is shackled to a Roman guard. He's the property, we might say, of the Roman Department of Corrections, all right? Paul wants his readers to know that Jesus Christ is the sovereign one, that Jesus Christ is over Caesar, 
And in fact, he wants us to know that at any moment, the sovereign one can arrange for his shackles to fall off, for the prison door to be open, and for Paul to walk out free from from his cell that he's in. And so Paul is saying, I'm not a prisoner of Caesar. He's making a big statement here. In fact, he has a different perspective. Paul says, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And then kind of beyond that, he's conveying the idea that the love of Christ has thoroughly gripped him. It holds him captive in his life. He, He is captivated by it. The shackles that he wears, he's shackled to the one that had affection for him, the one that loved him, the one that changed his life. Paul says, I'm a prisoner to the love of Jesus Christ. I'm shackled to Jesus Christ. I, I, I am never leaving. He's kind of saying, I'm doing a life sentence here, and I'll always be shackled to him. And then Paul's also stating that he's chained to his calling. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. He understands his calling from God. In fact, I think he's alerting every Gentile, every non-Jew out there that Jesus Christ, as we talked last week, tore down the dividing wall and that everyone now has access to God through Jesus Christ. And so Paul's saying, I feel so strongly about my calling. I feel so strongly to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. I'm a prisoner to that. I can never walk away from that calling. And so you end up with this triple entendre. Just that one statement. It would be worthy of a lot of thought. I thought about spending the entire morning on that one statement. You know, the, just, just for us to, to think about it. I thought about passing out handcuffs this morning. <laughs> and, and, and asking... What are you shackled to? Or who are you shackled to? You know, it's something, it's something to consider. But I kept reading in the chapter, and a few verses later, I, I found Paul raised another thought that kind of captivated me. He says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles, see his calling there, the boundless riches of Christ. Paul says, I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people. And I read that and I think, does Paul really believe that? Does he believe he's the lowest of low? You know, is Paul uh, struggling with like his self-esteem as he's writing this? And then I'm thinking, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament And if Paul, who wrote all that, feels that way, then I started thinking, well, how should I feel about myself? Or how should you feel about yourself? You know, and I thought, that's it. I I will spend the morning and we'll kind of unpack that thought. We'll try and understand what, what Paul was trying to get at. And I thought, that's what I'll talk about this morning. But then I thought, maybe I should keep reading. You know, maybe, maybe uh, I'm supposed to focus on something else uh, this morning. 
And so I kept reading. And a few verses later, I found myself uh, just immersed in what I believe is one of the most breathtaking prayers in, in, in Scripture. And Paul says this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together in all, with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know the, this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who's able to do immensely more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is in work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And I read that and I thought, wow, what a prayer. I, I, I could spend weeks just talking about the implication of that prayer. And I know that many of you are living under pressure in your life, intense pressure in your life. Some of you, the, the pressure at home right now, it's almost more than you can bear. Some of you are dealing with pressure at, at work or vocationally or at school. Others, it may be a medical issue or a financial issue. But if I was to spend the morning talking about this passage, I would uh, tell you that no matter how hopeless the situation feels. No matter how impossible the, the circumstance is, that God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. I know that for a fact. In fact, some of you need to just read that prayer every morning. You, you need to memorize that prayer. You need to make Paul's prayer your prayer in your life. You, you'll find encouragement You'll find hope, and you'll find the power to take the next step in your life. And so I read that, and I thought, well, that's what I need to speak on. But just in case, I'd keep reading. And so I did. I kept reading. You know, a couple weeks ago, we uh, talked about that we are God's masterpiece, that we were created we were created for good works in this world, works that God already knew that we were going to do. And those good things that, that God has gifted us and wired us and made us for, that we're, we're to use our uniqueness and our giftedness and that we're, we're to grow in our faith and we're to what? Glow. We're to grow and glow. And so I, a couple of weeks ago, I encouraged people to... Uh, kind of get in the game, get in, get in ministry, and begin trying things. And uh, I said, if you're not sure how God's gifted you, that's okay. You just uh, need to start uh, studying and, and reading about talents and gifts and, you know, maybe talk to some friends that, that love you for who you are and ask them, say, hey, help me identify what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And just begin that whole process in your life because those, those are big steps toward, toward growth. Paul writes, he says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, 
the prophets, the evangelists, the, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And when I read that, I thought, that's it. That's what I'll talk about this morning. I mean, people people been asking questions, been talking about maybe taking that step of faith, and they, they're like, hey, can you help me figure out what kind of ministry I need to be involved in, where I need to serve? And so I thought, now yeah, take the, the morning and talk about the different models for, for ministry, that every church on the planet falls into one of two models. You know, the, uh, there's a clergy model that's out there. And then there's the Ephesians 4 model. And friends, this is important stuff. See, in the, in the Western world, and especially in the U.S., last maybe 150 years, the model has kind of been that Christians would start gathering, and when you got about uh, 100 Christians together, what they would do, and, you know, just kind of uh, simplistically, they'd all kind of chip in, and they'd hire a pastor to be their, their pastor. And then they would create a job description for that pastor to do all the ministry that needed to be done. And so, you know, they would uh, hire Joe, for instance. And uh, they'd put together the job description, and they'd go, okay, he needs to teach, and he needs to preach, and he needs to marry and bury, and he needs to visit people and go to the hospitals and counsel, and he needs to work with the kids and mow the lawn and stuff the envelopes and, you know, put the service together. You kind of get the idea, right? And, and here's the funny part. Joe goes, wow, I can't hardly wait, <laughs> you know. And then every year, Joe kind of goes through an uh, annual review, and he has to stand out in the hallway while everybody gathers. And the members try and decide if Joe's done enough ministry that year for the dollars that he's receiving. And if the answer is yes, they, they call him back in and say, hey, you get to keep your job, you, you know, another year with you. If he didn't, well, they tell him pack his stuff up and get going. I mean, that's kind of in a nutshell. And just so you know, that is the most widely practiced ministry model in the United States. It's not biblical, but it's the most practiced. You cannot find evidence anywhere in the New Testament that that's the model that churches should follow. See, the the role of the pastor, as you read in Scripture, is to encourage, to equip, to, to help people take that step towards servanthood you know, towards serving in ministry. And so the church that has that Ephesians 4 model has 101 ministers. The clergy model, you have one minister. Now, I don't know how many's here today for sure, but just kind of knowing our, our trend and looking, we maybe have 320 people here. Think about that. 320 ministers. This church probably has somewhere around 700 people that call this home. 700 ministers. Now I want you to let your mind go a little wild for a moment. What if everybody started serving somewhere? using their giftedness, their uniqueness, 
at work, in the community, in this church? What if we begin leveraging what God has created us for? Friends, I will tell you, we would be an unstoppable force for good in the Riverbend area. God would use this church, and God's church would grow and glow. And I want to challenge you, you know, encourage you, inspire you, help you, urge you to get out of the bleachers and to get onto the field and get in the game and begin to let God use you so that you can begin marking eternity. It's life-changing stuff. So when I read this, I thought, that's it. That's what I'll focus on this morning. I, I can talk about that, that call to ministry that, that's in all of us. But then I started thinking, well, I could talk about spiritual gifts, you know, and talk about how that all unfolds. I mean, I remember early in my ministry when I finally the whole idea of spiritual gifts kind of clicked for me. You know, I grew up in a church that was the clergy model. The clergy did most of the ministry. And so I'm studying spiritual gifts, and I'm reading that, and, and friends, it was like mind-blowing for me, because I started wondering if it was possible that God wanted the church to be led by people that had leadership gifts, if God wanted the, the church to be taught by people that had teaching gifts, if God wanted the church to be administrated by people that had administration gifts, if the, God wanted the care to be done by people that have gifts for caring, you know, and making a difference that way, that they have mercy and grace. I mean, you get the idea here. Again, I believe that church would function effectively. It would be very efficient. And again, the church would be an unstoppable force in the community for good in this world. And I thought, that's it. That's what I'll focus on this morning. That's where I'm going to spend my time. But then I decided, you know what? You need to wrestle with that. You need to talk to people about what you're good at and not good at. And you need to read about spiritual gifts and you need to just get off the bench and get in the game and find a place. And maybe you get in a ministry and you go, oh, that's not a good fit. Then you find another ministry and try that. And you keep trying things till one day what happens, you go, that's a good fit. God created me for this. And so I just kept reading. And then I started into chapter four. And friends, the words I encountered really were transforming. And I thought, this is it. This is what I'll focus on this morning. Paul says, we were taught with regards to your formal way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new. New, uh, uh, kainos is the, the Greek word. It's where uh, we, it's derived from the word nuos. And nuos is where we get the word neon. And that's where we kind of got the idea for this whole series, glow. But new, new. He says, you're made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. Have you ever uh, been working and, you know, maybe doing something and you got really dirty, 
really dirty, muddy. You know what I'm talking about, where, where you, you walk in the door and you can hardly wait to get the dirty clothes off and, you know, you throw them straight into the washer and you can't get to the shower quick enough and you get all cleaned up. And when, when you put on those clothes that are fresh and clean, do you ever have that? It's like, ah, oh, I feel better. That's the picture that Paul wants you to get. He wants you to know what you're taking off and what you're putting on in your life. And so he writes this. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are members of one body. Paul's saying, you got to take off the liar's jacket. Now, all of us, let's just be clear, all of us have worn that jacket before. You know, it's the jacket that reeks of, like, half-truths, exaggerations, false promises, unmet commitments. And the fact is, Paul says, you have a new identity, a new way of living. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to help you take off that liar's jacket. Holy Spirit wants to give you a new perfectly tailored truth-telling jacket. And friends, I will tell you, there comes a point in every Christian's life, maybe today's the day for you, but there comes a point where you say, you know what, I am done with half-truths. I am tired of making commitments that I don't keep. I am sick of the deception in my life. And Paul says, you take that liar's jacket off and the Holy Spirit will help you in that process and will give you a new truth-telling jacket to put on. And you know what, you can then begin to live with a clear conscience and you will find you come alive inside. You start living in the light, and you start shining like the stars in heaven. People notice it, especially in our culture. And the Holy Spirit helps you grow and glow. Paul, Paul, he continues, he says, If you're angry, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Paul says, take off that rageaholic shirt that you wear, that, that shirt that you put on when you're angry, that shirt that you put on and your kids cower or your spouse tries to get out of the way. You know, your coworkers see it go on and they just run for cover because, friends, it's damaging. Christians, men, women, there comes a point in your life where you have to acknowledge your inability to control your anger. And you got to take that rage shirt off because it's hurting and destroying every relationship in your life. And friends, you got to take it off and not only take it off and trash it, you got to burn it. you got to learn how to deal with your anger in a constructive way. It's a new day. It's a new day. You know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and instead of your anger controlling you, you allow the Holy Spirit to control you. And for some of you, maybe today's that day. You're going to take off that anger shirt. And you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power to put on 
a different shirt so that you can control your anger. He'll help you do that. He'll help you control, control that anger in your life. He will. He'll give you new strength and power, but you can control it. You can control it. I mean, maybe not perfectly, but over time, the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do what you need to do so that you can go to the people you've hurt in the past and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I was out of control. Please, please forgive me. And friends, when you do that, you start living. You start growing. And you start glowing. You start glowing. Paul goes on. He says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I'll be honest, I I don't know what people are stealing these days, but I know people steal company supplies. People steal credit for something that they shouldn't take credit for. Sometimes we steal people's reputations, don't we? You know, with the gossip the little innuendos. You know, maybe we're not given a full day's work for a full day's pay. You know, maybe we're, we're capable of working and providing for ourselves, but we're going to let somebody else take care of us. We're going to rely on them to, to support you. You know, whatever it is, Paul says it stops. It ends today. You know, honesty, hard work, it's a better foundation. It it builds self-respect. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power to go a new way in your life because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You, You now are on a new course. It's a new way of living. And Paul says, no more stealing. No more stealing. You start running in the light. You get a second wind in your life and you start growing and glowing and it's all empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then Paul, he doesn't mince words here. He goes, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may be beneficial, that it may be benefit those who, who listen. Paul says, no more unwholesome talk. Christians. No more profanity. No more filthy jokes. No more gossip. No no more destructive comments. You know, Paul says it's beneath you. You are a new identity. It's in Jesus Christ. You're a new creation, and it requires that you build people up around you, that you build and you bless and you reach out. In fact, he says that's your new statement. That's your new fashion statement. Bless and build, bless and build. You know, it's a new style. It's a new way to live, isn't it? You start blessing people, you build them up, you lift them up. And I will tell you, when people do that, when you do that, people will love you at your office. People will love you in the school. Your friends and your family will function better. Your neighbors will appreciate it. This church will experience a greater influence in the community when we start living that way. You know, the Holy Spirit will help you become a person that blesses and builds up, and you will shine like a star in heaven because you're growing and you're glowing in your life. Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Have you ever had God's spirit whisper to you, prompt you, nudge you, kick you (laughs) sometimes? See, the, the Holy Spirit is working to grow you. The Holy Spirit taps you. You know, it gives you that idea. You know, I ought to call somebody. You ever had that moment? I think I'm supposed to call them. I'm supposed to give them a word of encouragement. You know, the Holy Spirit nudges and, you know, there's something I, I should do. Or sometimes I shouldn't do. The Holy Spirit says, don't do that. But when the Holy Spirit prompts you or urges you to do whatever, you need to agree with it. You know, you need to step in the way that the Holy Spirit's lighting for you. Do whatever it is that God's asking you to do. Don't squelch it. Don't resist it. Because when you do that, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Some of you, the Holy Spirit nudged you this week about something. And in fact, you knew it was the Holy Spirit. But you kind of shut it down. Eh, I don't want to do that. You know, we, we feel that nudge. Hey, call somebody. Give them that word of encouragement. You need to call them and apologize. You need to help someone. You, you need to, to give. You need to do something. Or the Holy Spirit was warning you, don't, don't do that. Retreat. Go back, you know. And when we resist that nudge, when you decide you're going to do what you want to do, I will tell you it's a bad idea. It's kind of like saying, hey, sorry, God, but uh, not letting you make this call. I'll make the calls in my life. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. And my, my best advice, don't do it. Don't do it. Holy Spirit's trying to guide you, trying to guide you in the, in the light, They're trying to help you so that you can grow and glow in your faith. And Paul then, he's going to kind of reiterate things, and he goes, in case you missed what I just got done saying, and he kind of packages it here. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You know, Paul says, get the garbage out of your life. It's got to go. You will never shine with all this sin in your life. And as I was reading this portion of Scripture, I mean, I got sidetracked a lot, right? But I thought, you know, should I I speak on this? Or or there are a lot of other beautiful passages that I looked at. And then then I read this. Be kind. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That verse is a life, it's a life verse for me. It didn't start out that way, but it became a life verse for me. And I will tell you that verse has saved my marriage, it's probably saved my ministry. Early, early on in my ministry, when I was pretty young, anybody that knows me, I'm very goal-oriented. And, and what I learned early on was not everybody wants to see you succeed. And so what I learned 
was to be really strong and tenacious. And so here's the deal. Someone get in my way, and there was a goal, and they were in the way of that goal, I'd mow them down. Once in a while, someone would say, wow, that that was kind of harsh. And my response almost always was like, grow up, quit being a baby, you know. I remember one of my early, early mentors. He had me, I was in his office one day, and we were talking, and he goes, Damon, what are you doing? I remember him telling me, he said, I know you love God, but dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta dial it down. You're too intense. And he read this verse to me. And then he said, you need to read that verse every morning. You need to read that verse before you go into meetings. And he said, you need to just memorize it. And there was a point where it convicted me. Be kind, compassionate, loving, loving like Jesus Christ was loving and forgiving. I worked on that hard for about a season, trying, trying to live that. And then at a point I realized it just needed to be a life verse for me. It just started embedding itself in me. And I, I will tell you, that has been a, a guide most of my adult life. Now, all these years later, I'm a teddy bear. <laughs> Marshmallow. <laughs> all right, maybe, maybe not quite, but... My point, my point is that um, I still read that verse and God's Holy Spirit still speaks through that verse many, many, many times. And it redirected my path in ways you, you can only imagine. And so when I read that, I thought, that, that's what I'll focus on this morning. And now I'm out of time. <laughs> I want you to imagine for a moment if everybody here lived that out. I mean, what would happen if we lived that out in the community, in our jobs? everywhere we go, if every home made a commitment to that and said, you know, I do not care what everybody else does. I don't care how everybody else acts. But in this house, we're going to be kind and we're going to be compassionate toward one another. And we are going to be very quick to forgive each other. You know, we're, we're not even going to pause. We will just do that. You know, the fact is, we are going to forgive just as Jesus Christ forgave us. I mean, friends, can you imagine what would happen in this world if we lived it out? 
we would be growing and we would be glowing everywhere we went. I mean, can you imagine what would happen at your work if you lived that out? Can you imagine what it would do in our schools, in our communities, in the political process, our culture? If we just lived that, God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or ever imagine in your life. Do you believe that? I do. It is God's power at work in us and through us. Friends, we are not shackled to sin. Jesus Christ set us free from sin. We are not prisoners to the ways of this world. In fact, Paul would tell us we are called to a much higher calling. And God's called us to that. We are shackled to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are prisoners of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Friends, God's word can transform us. God's word can transform the world. And that's why we spend time in God's word. That's why we study like we do. I want to challenge you this week to read Ephesians, the third and fourth chapters. They're not that long. Read them every single day. And then at the end of the week, pick a verse, any verse, I don't care. Pick a verse that God speaks to you and you go, that's what I need to focus on. And I'm not asking you to focus on it for, you know, five years, the next six months. In fact, some of you already know what that verse is because it spoke to you when we were reading. You go, ooh, you felt that nudge. But begin to focus on that and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and help you to live it. You know, make a commitment. I'm going to let God work in this area of my life. Not ten areas. One. There's power in that. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Friends, that's where we need to be. And I I will tell you, that's where I want to be. You know, I want to be in the light. I want to be in God's light, just as I want you to be in that light. I want to shine like the stars in heaven in this world. I want people to see that glimmer, that neon light. It's all I want to be. Growing and glowing. And I do that in the light, the light of God's word. The love of God. Friends, there's no other place to, to live. I challenge you this morning. We're, we're going to have prayer teams down front couple things. If you'd like them to pray with you, they'll be there, but you don't, you don't have to go to them. If there's something God spoke to you this morning, you go, I, I need to see some of you feeling that nudge right now. Just come down. You don't have to go to them. Just come down. Just say, you know what, God? I'm going to do this or do that or wow, I need, I need your power in this part of my life right now or I really got to work on Whatever. 
but band's going to come out. They're going to lead us in, in music, and while they're playing and you're listening, just come down, pray. If you don't, stay where you're at. Pray for, pray for those that do come down. But let, let, let's, let's just stand for a moment for prayer. Our holy God, God, your words are uh, just amazing. And I found myself encouraged and convicted. I found myself uh, finding hope. Just simple words on a page, but inspired by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray, I pray for this church. God, that all of us, that we, we would just grow. And most of all, we'd be out in the world glowing. That people would see it, that they'd go, there's something different there. God, I thank you for the opportunity to just be a part of this. God, I pray you would use us, that we would make a difference in this world, that we would mark eternity with our lives. God, we just give you the glory. We give you the praise. God's people said. Yeah, if God so moves, uh, come down and uh, just lift up to him. <laughs>